Hey everybody, Max Boltman here alongside Corey Prodman back with another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. Today we're going to be wrapping up Storylines Week here on the Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, got some fun stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about our Calder finalists. We're going to talk about prospect pools that we think are going to break out. This is going to be our last uh, episode for a few weeks here. We're, we're just going to take a quick hiatus while the season gets underway. So we're really going to set the stage for for everything we're going to be watching for throughout the, the start of the season here and, and really most of the season um, in the prospect realm. Um, so I'm looking forward to today's show. And, and Corey, uh, we're going to start off with some college hockey, actually, because one of the most interesting prospect teams in the world uh, is right up the road from me uh, at the University of Michigan, where there's four of the top five picks from last year's draft, a bunch of first rounders on that team, and they are just starting to get underway. Yeah, uh, University of Michigan played against Bowling Green in an exhibition game, so that did not count towards their standings uh, last Saturday where they won 7-1. to one. And even though it was an exhibition game, it was a very interesting game for people across the hockey world to observe uh, because of the abundance of talent on that team. You mentioned the, the, five, uh, top, the four top five picks. Owen Power, number one to Buffalo. Matthew Beniers, second to Seattle. Luke Hughes, who went four to New Jersey. And then Kent Johnson, who went five to Columbus. Uh, Beniers and Johnson played on a, a line together. Owen Power played huge minutes, and Luke Hughes was also a prominent part of that team. And it was just a very exciting uh, team to watch for, for those reasons. Uh, you, you're you just seeing the, the type of skill and, and hockey sense that's on this team uh, to go with a guy guys like Power and Hughes who have tremendous skating ability and, and power size obviously is, is a variable and and you, you were also interested in, you know, Thomas Bortolo and Brendan Brisson. Brisson, I thought, had one of his best games I've ever seen him in a, in a Michigan sweater. And uh, and that's with the caveat that John Beecher, a first-round pick by Boston, and Mackie Samuskevich, a first-round pick by Florida, were not even playing in that game. And yet it still felt like Michigan had the puck the entire time. Bowling Green not expected to be a top-five or top-ten team in the NCAA this season. But there's still it's still a program that's, that's used to playing competitive hockey, uh, particularly one that tends to be a little bit on the older side, so it, it can push some of the more uh, skilled rosters. And it just felt like Michigan was in control for for large portions of that game. Well, it's huge when you talk about Brisson having one of his better games. I mean, he's a guy who he has a big shot, but but when you look at where this team could really take a step forward. If he takes a step forward and, and he's able to, to be a goal scorer on that team, you know, last year, a lot of the standouts, he gets overshadowed a little bit by Thomas Bordalo, by Ken Johnson, by Matthew Beniers. You add him in there as a sophomore year, if he makes that sophomore leap. I, I mean, I know probably a lot of our listeners care about these guys primarily as NHL prospects, but for a team in Michigan, that's a huge difference maker to have a guy who's going to be that level of finisher um, taking kind of that, that next step. Yeah, and I think he's got really good skill in hockey since he, he can see the ice very well too. I think it, when you actually watch the power play, he was the guy on the on the half wall. When you think of all the options they have there to to be given the half wall option is is a huge sign of confidence uh, by the coaching staff. We'll see if that changes when Samuskevich comes comes in or not. Uh, but I thought he was really impressive, and uh, I thought you know not surprisingly, Owen Power was extremely impressive in that game. Uh, even and even though Luke Hughes did not get the prime power play time, I thought uh, you know he he had he had a positive game, and it just in general, 
it, they are just a fun team to watch. You know, I was talking to scouts who were watching that game, and we all kind of shared a similar sentiment that we, we were watching the game, but it was almost as much entertainment for us as as sports are for a lot of people. You know, but as it was us, you know, trying to watch the players and learn about the players because it, it's it it was just that kind of game. There's a globetrotter effect when those guys go out on the power play where you're just kind of looking to see. It's it's not even so much are they going to be dangerous. It's like what are they going to do to be dangerous or how are they going to make this look. I mean there was one sequence on one of the Brisson goals. I think it was Johnson who's on the left flank. He goes behind the back to power. Power slides it right across to Brisson. Brisson wires it into the net. And it's, you know, my, my friends, I went to Michigan, right? So my friends in my college DMs are, are like sending this clip like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And it's like that, that might be what it's year, what it's like for those guys all year this year. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of hoping they're going to be the Tampa Bay lightning of college hockey, That's at right. least on the power play. <laughs> you know, we'll, you don't want to get too excited about a team based on one exhibition game. You might recall they, they crushed ASU last year. And that was a regulation game. That was a real game. Yeah, and you know, ASU was a solid team that season. They weren't a top team, but they were, you know, they they weren't a team that got rolled over by everybody. So it's a long season. We'll see what happens when they get into the conference games. When they got to go up against a team like like Minnesota, for example, or when they go to the icebreaker tournament now, and I think they're playing either Duluth or Providence in in one of those games. Those are those are those are good teams. We'll see how that goes. Great coaches on both teams too. I mean, those teams are going to come to know how to defend skill. Yeah, well, also one of those. Uh, coaches is go is the world junior coach that's right <laughs> yeah matthew Beniers has has a pretty distinct interest in playing well in that game and thomas bordelow as well and brisson as well uh, well brisson actually aged out of the world juniors oh but, did he? okay yeah at a late birthday but um but yeah no, we'll see how the entire season goes and and one game is not predictive of how an entire season goes. there's going to be times where they're not going to score and there's going to be games where they score a lot and the most Talented team in college hockey does not always win, particularly win in the playoffs and the national championship game, and primarily due to the fact that those are single elimination events, and also that you know, that it tends college hockey uh, tends to have some pretty significant age differences at times between teams, and those can be variables. You look at the UMass team that won the title last year. They had some really talented players. Zach Jones is, you know, is a is a very talented player. Uh, Mark Delgaizo was a nice prospect uh, for Nashville. Philip Lindbergh was a very solid college uh, goalie prospect. Is he going to be a good pro? Time will tell. They had some, you know, really nice college players like Trevino. But this wasn't what you think of like a, of a team full of first and second round picks. You could argue Zach Jones could have gone there in a redraft, but but that that wasn't what their roster was composed of, and that's a lot of what winning college hockey teams tend to look like. So it'll be interested to see if this Michigan team can buck to that trend. Uh, I think sometimes people like, like myself and, and, and others time tend to overhype college hockey teams that have the great recruiting classes when that's not always predictive of collegiate success. But I think this Michigan team has a chance at least to buck that trend. Well, it's just a rare opportunity to, to have this kind of Ross. I mean, realistically, Beneers and Power could be in the NHL right now. And it wouldn't have surprised many people had they been um, just, you know, in broad strokes of kind of their readiness as players, especially Beneers' situation in Seattle. Like, that's an expansion team. It wouldn't have been shocking for a number two overall pick to step right into the 
NHL. It's a big opportunity for Michigan to have a group like this and get these guys in second year. I also think it's a big opportunity for for an Owen Power, um, given what you just mentioned, to to go up against teams that maybe are older and maybe built more like these veteran laden teams. I think that's a really good opportunity and good challenge for him to face that kind of that kind of uh, competition and 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 try to be a a more veteran player than his maybe years in order to to drive a winning team. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how Power plays against some of the better teams, but I thought just versus Bowling Green, I didn't think he dominated the game, but there were just a couple of select moments in that game, whether it was the power play assist you mentioned or just like defensive plays where any other defender looks beat and he just skates back easily, knocks the puck away with his long reach and his, and with how quick, quick he moves and he just eliminates defense, eliminates chances so easily, gets the puck back up the, up the ice. I think he's going to be such a force in, in college hockey this season, as you would expect for a first overall pick. And this is a unique opportunity to watch this team, but, but Michigan continues to recruit. Uh, all indications are that Luke Hughes is still going to be there in, in his second year at Michigan. And then they're going to probably going to bring in Adam Fantilli the next season, who has a really strong chance to be a you know top five, top three, maybe even a first overall pick in the 2023 draft uh, to go with some other you know, strong recruits. Uh, they just recruited somebody from, from the Tri-City Storm, uh, Gavin Brindley, who I really like. He's got a chance to be a top two round pick in the 23 draft. Um, and to go with what I presume will still be some good players who will be left there. Sam Eskevich, I presume, will still be there. Dylan Duke will probably still be there. Uh, so I, I don't think this Michigan, uh, the eyes on the Michigan uh, hockey team are going away anytime soon. Absolutely. All right. Now I want to get into kind of more of the NHL side of these prospects. And, and we do focus a lot on on the draft and, and drafted prospects who haven't yet been in the NHL yet. But there, there's going to be some really interesting names breaking into the NHL this year, Corey. And uh, that means the Calder debate kind of could be a fun one this year. I, I think for me, you look at a guy like Cole Caulfield who broke in and, and got a little bit of a lot of run actually in the, in the playoffs for Montreal last season. And it's easy for me to look at it and say, going into the year, that's probably the guy who I would call the favorite for this award. But you can go down the list and you can see a lot of guys from his draft class, frankly, whether it's Trevor Zegris, Matt Boldy, Spencer Knight, you get into some of the more recent ones, Jamie Drysdale, Moritz Sider. Um, you look at Alexander Holtz, and even some older players, Zach Jones, Shane Pinto. We don't know what, what Quentin Byfield's health is right now. This could be a really interesting rookie class in the NHL. Yeah, and you've got a couple of teams there that have a combination of guys because you have Anaheim with uh, Drysdale and Zegers. You have Detroit with Raymond and Sider. We'll see in Florida what happens with Spencer Knight and Anton Lundell. I don't know if they, either of them are guaranteed to get a lot of ice time this season, but but we'll see how their seasons go uh, with the Rangers. You know, will Zach Jones be the guy? Will Niels Lundqvist be the guy who takes some of that second power play unit ice time? You know, we'll have to see how, how those things progress over the course of the season. I think you're definitely right to highlight uh, Cole Caulfield uh, because he played so well in the playoffs last year. And I think a big part of projecting who's going to win the Calder is opportunity. Uh, you know, Cole Caulfield looks like he's going to have every, every opportunity to be a top six forward with power play time this season. Uh, I have a hard time seeing someone like, say, a Bowen Byram, uh, you know, getting the big minutes in Colorado to 
elevate his way into the Calder conversation, even though I think Bowen Byram is an excellent prospect. Whereas in Detroit, uh, you know, there are roster spots for the taking for, for Lucas Raymond and Mort Sider to come in, and the same thing in Anaheim with, with Zegras and Drysdale. Yeah, and, and Raymond one is interesting. I mean, he's a guy who I don't know that I went into the preseason expecting that he was going to get a roster spot. Part of that is because we didn't know yet that Jacob Verano was having shoulder surgery that was going to take him out of the lineup for the first four months of the season. But part of it's that Raymond has had the kind of, you know, kick the door down preseason so far that I think he was going to need to have to make the team. And there's still preseason left. He's not made the team yet, but he's got six points in three games. He's looked pretty consistently dangerous watching him. He's been a big help on their power play. If he makes the team, it's probably in a top six deployment. It's probably in a potentially first power play role that those things can become pretty predictive of of Calder opportunity. Yeah, and a preseason doesn't always translate into the National exactly. Hockey League regular season. There's a lo- there's a long list of guys who do do well in the preseason, and then when the lines are lines are full of all the six one six two guys who can fly and are competing as hard as they can every night, all of a sudden that preseason start doesn't look as shiny anymore. Uh, you know, it's why between those two guys, just because Sider is, is older and stronger and Seems a little bit seems a little bit ahead of Raymond in the SHL last season. It's why I would probably say between the two of them, I, I would presume Sider's going to have more NHL success this season. But Raymond's preseason is all is is been really interesting. I mean, you, when you watched say him or uh, William Eklund in the SHL last season, I would put my money on Eklund being the one to break through because I thought his skating was such a differentiator, and I thought he he played a little bit better versus men last season. But it, it might end up with both of them making the National Hockey League and. And seeing how they do, like I said, there's always a kind of a it's a pretty big jump from the preseason to the regular season. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But I love Lucas Raymond. His skill level is is truly elite. He can make a ton of plays. His shot is a weapon. His vision is a is a major weapon. It's just going to be a question of whether he can adjust to the pace of the NHL when when the games become real. Yeah, for, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to turn this into a Detroit uh, Lucas Raymond thing, but but just to kind of put the bow on him, like to me, it's really been his instincts and his sense that have, I mean, the skill, obviously, yes, um, but but he's he's making making these opportunities with these seam passes on the power play across the slot that are almost no look passes. He's he's getting on pucks quick and getting them onto the net. Like it, it's been a really interesting overall package that you've seen from him that. When you think the game really well, it can mitigate some pace issues, or not even pace issues, but just raw speed issues, I should say. Yeah, and then the other team that would be really interesting, I think, from uh, from a Calder perspective, is Anaheim. Yeah, because you know, with Drysdale and was and was Zegers there, uh, you know, we're expecting uh, big things. Drysdale still has another year of World Junior eligibility left, but it's hard to imagine him playing at this summer's world at this winter's World Juniors. Because of how good he was as a pro last season at the American League level, at a particular, and then he goes to the NHL, doesn't play like tremendous, but for an 18 year old, I thought he was very more, much more than competent. He, you know, he looked like he at least belonged in the league. Uh, so I think, you know, in Anaheim, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team this year. I don't think they're going to take a you know a huge step forward. But I think you're you're looking at those two and as a Ducks fan and hoping that they at least show you some signs of better days ahead. 
the one thing I'll say about the, the, the Calder voting and, and not being on a playoff team is that I don't think it, it gets held to quite the same standard of needing to come from a playoff team as maybe the Hart or the Norris does, and and that helps. But being on a playoff team just helps your exposure. Like when when you're Anaheim, you're not gonna and number one, you're already playing a bunch of 10 p.m. games, which which does hurt. I think West Coast players sometimes like it's just harder to get in front of the eyes, especially for a player like Drysdale who maybe you know. It, his game is he's obviously a beautiful skater, but he's not necessarily going to be on every single highlight reel in the way that even his own teammate and Trevor Zegers might, or like Kale McCarr was two nights ago. Sometimes he will because the skating pops that much, but you got to get in front of eyeballs too. And I think that's where being on a non-playoff team can hurt guys. And that could be about Detroit. That could be about Anaheim. That could be about San Jose. And that could be about a lot of these guys. Yeah. And I think defensemen just generally have uphill battles. Trevor Zegers is probably the opposite. He is the highlight reel variety. I yep. think there's 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 a path for him to win the Calder Trophy. Uh, but, you know, that's why I, I would look, you know, there are you know, some guys who are, you know, down, maybe not as quite as talented as, say, Bowen Byram or J.B. Drysdale as, as players. But, you know, there there's a path there for maybe Connor McMichael in Washington or Shane Pinto in Ottawa. If they make their teams, if they end up in a middle six role, if they're getting points, if they're on the power play, I think there's a path for both of them to potentially have, you know, maybe not win the call or but be like top five, uh, get get top five votes uh, for those very reasons that you alluded to. Last year, the Calder Trophy, obviously, Kirill Kaprizov, I think very well deserved. There's another guy in Minnesota this year who I think could be a dark horse, and that's Matthew Boldy. First of all, do we think Matthew Boldy is going to make Minnesota's opening night roster? It, it seems like there isn't, uh, you know, isn't going to be an extremely young roster. I don't see Matthew Boldy and Marco Rossi and Adam Beckman making that team. It's probably just going to be one of those three guys. It, my bet right now is towards Boldy, but given how well he did versus pros last season, if he's not the guy, and I can easily see him be the guy that comes up in the middle of the season if there's an injury or something along those lines, I think he's really close. And given and how good he was versus men last season, uh, the skating is going to be the concern when he gets to the NHL regular season games. How quickly does he transition to the pace? Doesn't mean I don't think he's not going to be a very good player long term, but there might be that initial transition period. Uh, but if he if he does, I think he has more than enough skill in hockey sense uh, to be uh, in that type of conversation if he's able to elevate into a top nine role for Minnesota. And then you, I think you mentioned him a little bit earlier, but one of the more exciting young teams in the NHL this year is going to be the Ottawa Senators, and, and Shane Pinto would be kind of the the rookie to watch when it comes to the Calder conversation this year. Thirty second overall pick, so the first pick of the second round just a couple of years ago. Um, really, really good. The last two years at North Dakota came up seven points in twelve games uh, last year for the Senators. I mean, Shane Pinto, if he gets the opportunity, is is a guy who I I think there could be some some buzz for. Yeah, and he's looked really good in the preseason too, carrying over from what you saw in the NHL last season. And I think there's deserving uh, attention for Pinto, uh, very well-rounded player. He's got great individual skill, great hockey sense. He can score tough goals. He's a very reliable two-way center. Skating's just okay, but I think he's shown so far that uh, the pace of the NHL has not that big of an issue for him at, at this current stage in his development. And, and given kind of, you know, building off the points you've already said in terms of opportunity, uh, there is roster spots here in Ottawa, and I believe there is – I didn't get the exact details, but it seems like Colin White might have some injury concerns there too now. Uh, so that just creates more opportunity there for, for him to get extended ice time and and be an important part of this team and potentially enter the Calder discussion. 
among the centers, I think you're kind of looking at, I don't know if McMichael is necessarily going to play center this year in Washington, but if he makes the team, Connor McMichael and Anton Lindell, a couple of guys um, who maybe are a little further down the, the radar of, of guys people are talking about for this, partly because Lindell only kind of just got back on the ice. But what do you think of their their candidacies, respectively? Yeah, you know, those are good teams that they're both part of in terms of the overall rosters. It's going to be harder to snag away top nine forward roles, harder to stack away power time roles, uh, particularly in Florida, as opposed to more than Washington. Florida was such a deep offensive team last season, and, uh, you know, Sam Bennett seems to have rediscovered himself there. We'll see whether that carries over to this season. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe Lundell has to play in Syracuse for, for a period of time. Maybe not. We'll kind of see. How, how they plan to use them. But I see McMichael having an opportunity there in Washington. Uh, you know, they, they aren't, I believe, fully healthy yet either. Uh, so I, and I, McMichael was so, you know, impressive last year versus men. You know, he's been, you know, was great as a junior. Uh, their, you know, size and skating has always been a concern with him, but he just scores wherever he goes and shows great individual creativity. That it wouldn't surprise me as a 20 year old if he steps in and shows he can play in the National Hockey League. Do we need to be talking about Hendricks Lapierre in that conversation for the Capitals as well? They both had good camps. I would expect if it comes down to one of the two, it's going to be McMichael because Lapierre still has junior eligibility. Uh, I, but but at, after what I thought was not you know was a good, not amazing QMJHL season, it is good to see. And also when he went to his U twenty camp, he didn't really hear a ton of positive comments from scouts about him at that camp it is good to see that he's had a very strong preseason with Washington when was the last time a goalie won the Calder Trophy I mean I'm thinking back and is it Steve Mason 0809 is that the last goalie we had here win the Calder that would be and you know it's always tough trying to project you know the the rookie goaltenders because playing time is such a big component it it helps a little bit unfortunately for Florida fans that Sergei Bobrovsky has not been the most reliable goaltender the last couple of years. So you can envision a way that Spencer Knight gets 25 games, 30 games, 40 games uh, with Florida. The thing about Spencer Knight, projecting him to, to be a, that echelon of player, is that I don't think, you know, there is, it, I don't think he's going to be that good that quickly, even though I think Spencer Knight is an absolutely fantastic prospect. Just the track record of 20-year-old goalies playing at that level is almost non-existent in the National Hockey League. John Gibson had to play a full year in the American League. Andre Vasilevsky played a full year in the American League. Robin Lehner played a full year played a full year in the American League. Uh, Jacob Markstrom was one of the most premium goalie prospects. Uh, you know, going back about 10, 15 years ago, took years in the American League before he came up. So a 20-year-old actually breaking in. And making an impact is almost unprecedented. I think it's going back to like Marc-Andre Fleury. I think Carey Price would be the exact last one who, who did that. Uh, and I'm not sure I'm ready to say Spencer Knight is going to have the trajectory of, of Carey Price. I know he's an excellent goalie prospect. If I had to pick a goalie who's going to have success, it'd probably be Alex Adelkovich, who by some technicality appears to still be called or eligible. That's correct. Yeah, he, he did not play, uh, I think it's 25 games uh, that, that he would have needed to play last year. And he, he came in just under that. So even though Alex Nadelkovich was already a Calder finalist, because he only played 23 games last season, he is eligible again. Now, what I wonder, like, if you're a vote, and I, I am a voter, so I, I guess maybe I should ask this of myself, like, how does it color, you're, you're eligible, uh, but if someone was a finalist last year, I wonder how it colors voters like 
predispositions to to put a guy on their ballot or not. It'll be interesting. I would hope that people would just vote for the best player. Uh, but I, I, if there there might be some biases if it comes to that, and that Nadelkovich has another good season and has earned consideration, especially since we imagine he'll play a lot more than he did last season too. If he, you know, he's the guy in Detroit right now, and if he has a good year, you're looking at a 50, 60 game season likely for him, and it's going to be hard to avoid this conversation. It is. And I can just say for myself, I, I fully plan to consider everyone who is who meets the criteria, you know, equally without without it. But it is one of those narrative elements that I think, you know, it, it, it at least uh, you have to talk about whether or not it could play a factor. So, oh, yeah. I mean, we deal with this every year with, with like the older players, like the Russians. Right. The Russians. Yes. Yeah. I have to like, you know, I have to deal with the nonsense for people who's like, oh, it's not fair that Kaprizov is eligible. It's like, well, if you don't think it's fair, change the rules. That's right. You know, you know the rules are the rules. But yes, it does play into people's. It will play into. People, it might play into people's biases. Anyways, Kaprizov still ran away with it last year, even though there were those uh, oppositions to his claim to the Calder. Yep. Yep. All right. So with that said, we've discussed a lot of the candidates, Corey. Uh, give me your top three going into the year. You know, obviously we're not voting on who deserves it. We're saying on who you're predicting we'll, we'll finish in the top three. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, I would say, tough for me to see a way, even though I think guys like Cider and Drysdale are excellent, excellent prospects, it's going to just be tough for them to have the kind of offense that's going to be required of them to, to be in that conversation. Uh, so my number one uh, candidate uh, would be Trevor Zegras. I think he's going to have a fantastic season. I think he's going to, even though he is playing on the West Coast and it's probably not going to be a strong Anaheim team, uh, I think he is the guy who was most likely to pop, become an impact player in the, in the National Hockey League next season. And, and right behind him, not surprisingly, is uh, his fellow NTDP teammate and World Junior teammate for two years in, in Cole Caulfield. Uh, hard to bet against a guy who just went to the Stanley Cup final was an important part of why they went to the Stanley Cup final. I, I don't know if he's going to have, I think the hype machine probably got a little too much behind him, but that's fine. I mean, he's played so well to deserve it. I think he's going to have a very good year. In terms of a goal expectation, I'd say 25, uh, but maybe he can, maybe he could hit like 27, 28 too, which I think I know, I'm sure people are like, well, why didn't you say 35? I want to say 40. Well, 28 <laughs> would be like a really, you know, that'd be a moment that's second or third on, on almost any team in the National Hockey League. Correct. And for, for a rookie, that'd be a very excellent season. And uh, a, that's a guy that I would, you know, bet big on. You know, Quinton Byfield could have been in that mix for me, uh, but because of his injury, uh, it, it's tough to see him, you know, elevating uh, to, to that level, and you know, until we know more, we're, as we're recording this, last night was the it was the night of the injury, and we really don't have much more to go off off then. And if we really kind of want to go, you know, for maybe someone that maybe you know non conventional, I'm going to say William Eklund for the for the for the for number three. I think San Jose is not going to be very good. He will have lots of opportunity. I think he's an excellent player, and he's looked very good in the preseason so far. And I think his skill set translates to the NHL very well. 
I'm going to go with, with Caulfield at number one. I really think, it, you know, on a team in Montreal, that's going to be, I, I still think a good team. I don't know if they're a playoff team, um, but, but they're still going to be a good team. A lot of exposure. I think he's going to play a prominent role. I think he's going to score a lot of goals. He, he's my preseason number one, followed by Zegras, who I just think is going to be such a fun highlight reel kind of playmaker. And I'm going to go with Shane Pinto at number three. Um, is a little bit of a dark horse. I think the opportunity is there in Ottawa. Um, and I think that's going to be a really fun team. A lot of young players and, and, and just a fun team to follow the entire season so you're scorning your readers by not putting cider in there well i'm not going to make a homer pick on the national show here and plus we don't even know that he's he's on the roster yet i do think he's been really good if he makes the roster and he's on the first first power play and in the top six he's going to be a contender but for right now i'm going to stick with with uh, with shane pinto and, at three and for the same thing with drysdale with cider and with maybe even like a thomas harley if he were to make the dallas like getting first power play opportunity for a defenseman is is very, is very difficult you know, you know does he going to take away heronic's ice time is is Drysdale going to take away ice time from some of those other defensemen in Anaheim who are who are a little bit more established? Uh, you know, it, it's, you know, obviously in Dallas they have Klingberg and, and Haskin in there. Uh, so for defensemen, it could be because there's only one defenseman on the power play. Traditionally, it's tougher for those guys to elevate into, into those type of roles. Yeah, I, I would say of the Detroit guys, if Raymond makes the roster, I think he's got a better Calder shot, partly just because of the deployment opportunity that than, than Cider would. Even though we don't know for sure that Raymond's on it yet, and, and we we're pretty pretty convinced that Cider will be, I might even say Raymond's odds are a little better. All right, let's move now into our last segment for today. And in, in, in the intro, I think I called it prospect pools. We we think will take a step forward. But what, it really, what we're really going to talk about is teams that we think are going to take a step forward this year on the backs of their prospect pools. Like, young groups of talent that we think are going to propel NHL teams to take a step this year. And I think that conversation really has to start with the New York Rangers. Yeah. The New York Rangers have had, you know, they've won several lottery picks with Alexi Lafreniere with the first overall pick a couple years ago, Capo Caco with the second pick the years before that. And it's not just those two guys, although those two are the main discussion points with this team. This is now a team that, wasn't bad last year. They weren't great, but they weren't bad. Uh, they were one of the leading, uh, you know, goal scoring teams in the league two years before that. And, and now, you know, you look at the success, the success that they had with Sturkin and Net. You look at some of the young talent they have. You know, a decent group of, of veterans around that young talent. And the question is, is this the year the Rangers take the step forward? And I think there is definitely a path for them to become a playoff team and maybe even make a little bit of noise in the playoffs. May not be a contender, but at least be a formidable team. Uh, and that has to start with Lafreniere and Kako taking a step forward. Uh, both of them, I think, have similar questions. Both of them, I think, are incredibly skilled players, intelligent players who are, can score and are competitive. Uh, but both have, have had struggles with the speed of the National Hockey League. That was, you know, their skating was always kind of the concern when you watch them in their draft years. And, and sometimes those guys just take more time. They're even, you know, I, everybody has a weakness and sometimes it's the skating for some players. Uh, but if you kind of look historically at players who may not have exceptional skating as teenagers, uh, those guys just need typically time for their bodies to mature for them to adjust to the speed of the level. The body is an important component because you need to be able to win battles. If you can't blow by guys, you got to be able to at least you know, muscle your way to, through some puck battles to win along the boards, around the net, uh, if you get challenged off the rush. And I think with those guys, it's just going to take some time. And it's why, you know, I'm not sure it's going to be this year, but I can see a path where, where they pop this season. 
I, I think the Rangers in general are going to take a step this year. And I do think both of those guys you just mentioned are, are driving forces as to why. I, I just think with, with Kako, there's too much talent there. He, he's been, this will be year three now in the league for him. I think he should be comfortable enough, know enough. The ways to kind of be able to make an impact in spite of not being a burner, right? Like, and I think he can use his body. He's strong. I think he's going to be able to protect the puck and use the skill. And, and that combination, I think, is just going to help him win a lot down low. And, and so when you have that, he's going to make plays. I think he's going to finish plays. And he's, I think, one of the breakout player candidates, along with the guy who went right ahead of him, Jack Hughes, in, in that draft um, to me. And, and we can kind of jump off right from there to go into New Jersey because really they're right in that same tier of team that – has the potential to jump into the playoffs this year, driven largely by guys like Jack Hughes and, and Ty Smith. Uh, you know, you could see Alexander Holtz at some point this year. You could see Dawson Mercer at some point this year. Yeah, uh, you know, if you look at uh, Dom's projections at our, at our website, he kind of sees them as one of those teams that will take a big step this year. I think he has them as either a bubble. I think he has them as a bubble playoff team right now. Uh, part of that is because they added Dougie Hamilton during the off season, but I think there's going to be some big steps from some of those young guys. In particular, Jack Hughes, Ty Smith got a little injured here in the preseason. Uh, I think the hope is he won't be out too, too long. Uh, but, but when he comes back and they have more of a healthy roster, uh, you know, I think there could be some success for this team. Uh, you know, with, with Jack, the question hasn't been on the talent. He's an exceptional skater. He has great individual skill and playmaking ability. You know, he's not the biggest guy, but I think he's shown he can create a lot of chances in the NHL. Uh, the question with Jack has just been, can he finish at even an average NHL ability? You know, I th- because if he, if he does that, I think he's going to p- score a lot of goals. And as long as they get some secondary scoring and Ty Smith is close to as good as he was last year to be like a, a nice, you know, second best defenseman behind uh, Dougie Hamilton, at least offensively, you know, they, they've got weapons to work with now. Yeah, and with Hughes, you talk about like just finishing at an average level. That really is the key because he's going to create so many opportunities that you can just play the percentages with him. Like he's going to create enough dangerous chances that a, a 10% shooting percentage or on ice shooting percentage results in a lot of points for Jack Hughes. But you got to be able to be at that average level to expect to be able to play the percentages that way. Yeah, and you know you hope over time it it works out that way. He's never really been the biggest goal scoring threat ever in his life, but I think they just got to hope like he doesn't improve to being a truly dangerous goal scorer. He's just got to be able to convert enough of the scoring chances he use he converts off of his skating primarily to to maybe if he adds five ten more goals last year, even if it's like five to seven. I don't think we're looking at his season last year on nearly the same lens as has probably been been discussed. Uh, because his assist rate was was rather solid and his play driving was rather solid, I thought. Um, and with, with New Jersey, they have a lot of young depth, but the, I would say the difference between them and the Rangers is there's a little bit of a time frame difference there. But I think you look at the Rangers with where Keandre Miller was last year, where he where he was so excellent, and you think that you know whether it's Zach Jones or or, or uh, Nils Lundqvist, maybe even Braden Schneider, the young goalie Shishjerkin. Uh, they seem maybe a year or two ahead in, in, in the time frame right now. And, you know, obviously you know, help having guys like Panarin and Zibanejad and others helps with their time frame a little bit. But I think there is some real depth there in, with the Rangers in terms of the young players. We haven't even talked about Vitaly Kravtsov yet, a top 10 pick. We'll see whether he has an impact this year or not. Whereas the Devils, I think they're just hoping for for progress from the bottom to, you know, 
at least maybe being in a playoff discussion at some point this year, even if they don't make it, at least look like you're threatening at some point. If I gave you the choice between those two, one of them makes the playoffs, who are you taking? Oh, and that's I think if the Rangers are, are ahead. They just have yeah. more pieces there right now. I think the question for me would be phrased differently. I would phrase what's more likely, the Rangers uh, being a top three seed in their division or the Devils making the playoffs. I think that would be a more interesting de- debate. And then but I think long term, if you look at the talent in both of those organizations, I think the young talent is kind of similar. The, the, the Rangers have a few more veterans. Uh Devils have maybe caught up a little bit with the addition of Dougie Hamilton, but I think both of those organizations are definitely trending in a, in a very good direction. All right. A couple of organizations that I think are going to maybe be a little more dependent on purely their young talent. That's the Ottawa Senators and the Los Angeles Kings. Los Angeles Kings do still have Anze Kopitar and Drew Doughty. I don't want to let those guys get lost in here. Um, but especially when you look at the Ottawa Senators, I think we're at a point now where you know we'll see where the Brady Kachuk contract situation goes, but those young guys are driving the bus in Ottawa. Yeah, I mean, like you, you have Brady, you have Tim Stutzla, you have Josh Norris and Drake Batherson there now, all of which are extremely important players for that team. Shane Pinto, as we discussed earlier, we expect will become a notable part of their lineup uh, this season. Uh, this is a year that I think you are hoping that Ottawa shows some progress. I don't think realistically you can look at them and say this is a playoff team, though. They're probably still way too young. And you know they you know they didn't have a bad year last year. They weren't a top. They definitely weren't. They weren't a playoff team. Obviously, they weren't at the bottom of the barrel though. So I think you kind of hope for a little bit of progression there. Playoffs may be too much to ask, but I think if they go on some runs here or there, they have some nice stretches where they, they look dangerous. Maybe they finish a couple of spots, a couple of points away from the playoffs. Whether it's five to ten, I think you can call that for a successful year and. And then once you see the signs of that, if you're Ottawa, if you have that kind of progression this year where maybe you get close to the playoffs, maybe an inch right up to there, you can start sending the singles that, okay, now it's time to start adding external pieces. It's time to start going after free agents and spending money, which I know has always been an issue there uh, because this is the time now. The key for me with Ottawa really is going to come down to a lot of, of Josh Norris and if he's ready to be kind of the guy for them. Uh, and, and if he is, then, you know, I, I still don't think they're a playoff team. I think that division is too stacked up top with Tampa, Toronto, Boston, Florida. I don't think Ottawa's better than Montreal. Like, to me, there's no road to the playoffs for the Senators, realistically. But I do think there's a real road to, like, putting themselves on the doorstep. And a lot of it, I think, goes through Josh Norris. The center position is so important. I mean, Shane Pinto obviously can be a factor there, too. But with Norris, what he showed last year, if he takes a little more step – I, I think you're, you're all of a sudden talking about a team that knows where it's going down the middle. And to me, that's maybe the biggest question that an NHL team has. I think Josh Norris is a potential answer, but I think he needs to show it this year to, to really feel good about Ottawa maybe a year from now talking about where we're talking about New Jersey. Yeah, I currently project Norris as a first line center, but he hasn't, you know, he, he came, he had a really good year last year, but you can't say he had a no doubt he's a first line center kind of production year, which is fine. He's still rather young. But you look what he did his first pro year, fantastic year in the American League. Then he follows up with that with a very solid rookie NHL season. Uh, you're right. What he does this year will be a very important defining moment for them and figuring out what their centers of the future really look like. And it may not be this year for a while. Like you kind of like that. I agree. They're probably not in the playoffs this year. But you want to see the progress from those guys because 
then you could, like I said, you can start adding externally and there's more guys coming. You know, they have already in the pro level, Jacob Bernard Docker, Lassie Thompson, um, you know, Igor Sokolov, you know, who probably are on the minors. I think Alex Formanton could be an important player for them this season. And then you have a top five pick in Jake Sanderson, who's going to turn pro likely at the end of the year. And then Ridley Gregg, who I think is also a very important prospect, likely joining the team next year. So I think realistically, it's not the playoffs, but I think you're hoping two years, three years, you're starting to have that conversation there. And I, honestly, things can turn fast, but you need a couple guys to pop big. If, if whether it's Norris, whether it's Stutzla, whether it's Sanderson walking in and having like a Miro Haskin and like impact, those things can, can change your timeline fast, but you kind of have to wait for them to happen to count on it. Yeah. Maybe not. Hey, maybe, I, yeah, will he have that kind of sure. offense? You know, we'll, we'll see. But yes, if he could be like Haskin, if he could be like McAvoy, it would go a long way. Yeah, absolutely. All right, shifting gears to Los Angeles, and I said driven by the young guys. I, you know, maybe I'm even a year ahead on on saying that because even as we talk about Quinton Byfield and we don't know where his leg stands, this is still a team where I think your best players are still Kopitar, the couple guys they added this offseason, Victor Arverson, Philip Deneau, um, Alex Iafalo certainly in that conversation as well. They they sign Alex Edler, um, but I think you're starting to see the entry of one of the NHL's best farm systems. You're starting to see a lot of them enter the NHL now. And, and Gabe Velarde obviously has been there for a little bit. We'll see whether Byfield's there. Uh, Mikey Anderson is there. You're going to start to see Tobias Bjornfoot, potentially Alex Turkop. I don't know where Arthur Kaliev's timeline is. But I, when we talk about LA, I think this is a year that you're going to start to see a lot of the most exciting young prospects in this farm system. Yeah, I think LA is in a different spot than those other three teams we discussed so far in Ottawa, New Jersey, New York, where the young players are there, the prominent roles on the team. You're expecting them to be a big part of why you're better this season and the season after. I think LA is a little bit behind them in the timeline. I think LA has accumulated all the talent. They've had a bunch of draft picks, high draft picks. And I think you're hoping this season that you're starting to see a glimpse of the progress. That I think you're hoping that by a lot of these guys go to Ontario in the American League and have lots of success and start to push some of the veterans uh, for ice time. Uh, you know, they, there are some young players on the team that, are, that have been impressive. You mentioned Bjorn Foot, you mentioned Mikey Anderson. I think, you know, we were, I think you're hoping Gabe Valaria takes a step this year. Uh, Leas Anderson, who was a top 10 pick acquired from the New York Rangers, who was not having much success with the New York Rangers organization at all, had a, you know, a nice season last year with the Kings, has had a good preseason. And, you know, not all of these young guys are going to hit, but you're, with LA, it seems to accumulate so many of them that, you know, if, say, a Ras, you know, just picking on somebody for no, for no apparent reason, let's say a Rasmus Kapari doesn't work out, who's a first round pick, who I do like a lot, you hope maybe it's Leas Anderson or Mikey, or Mikey Anderson, or someone like a Jared Arison Dolan, who who evens that out. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't know if you're going to see massive production from the young guys this year at the National Hockey League level. But I think after having so many draft picks the last couple of years, if you're a Kings fan, you're hoping to see some steps forward right now at the American League level, and then hopefully by mid-year and towards the end of the year at the NHL level. What's interesting to me about LA's situation is that I actually think, you know, I'm not going to say that I'm, that they are a playoff team, but there's a path to the playoffs in that division. Part of it depends on what you make of Seattle and how good they're going to be right away. But to me, out West, it starts with Vegas, obviously. 
And then it's a lot of questions. Yeah, and obviously Dom's model seems very optimistic about Seattle. I'm not quite sure I, I share his enthusiasm for that roster, but I, I think they, you know, they, there's, it's definitely not a, a bottom feeder roster. I don't think they, they should have some success this season. It's kind of funny you mentioned the thing about their division is that if you almost talk to anybody who works at any capacity in with those teams, they all mention that. You know, they'll say, oh, we, we have a chance because of this division. So that, that can't apply to everybody. Uh, somebody's going to, yeah. somebody's going to lose games. Uh, but yes, the division is definitely very weak right now. And, you know, will it be the Kings? Will it be the Sharks? You know, it's going to be tough for either of them, but somebody's got to win games, and 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 time will tell over the course of the season who uh, who those teams are. All right, so they get at least three playoff teams. Let's run through these really quick and, and say who you who you're taking as the three playoff teams. So Vegas obviously is going to be one of them. Are you taking Vancouver as one of them? So you know, obviously Vancouver has some very interesting players. In terms of, you know, obviously they have, I think Quinn Hughes will take some big steps this season. Uh, you know, I think, I still think, you know, he was really good offensively the last season. I, his defense is never going to be what gets you excited about him because of his size, but I think he won't be uh, as bad defensively as he was last year. And I think he can elevate into a, into a premium role, uh, uh, in that regard. So I could see Vancouver, uh, becoming, uh, you know, a, a playoff team in that in that division. Um, after that, though, you know, and then I presume uh, Edmonton would be the other one because after that, now you start talking about Arizona, who will obviously be a bottom feeder. You know, and Anaheim is gonna, it's hard to see them being a playoff team. Calgary is the one that's probably the most interesting between the between those. Like you, it, it's probably gonna be some combination of of those four. And if a team like LA were to rise and knock off one of Calgary uh, or Vancouver, they're going to need a Calgary and Vancouver. They're going to have kind of the mediocreish season they had, and I think LA is going to, need to have a lot of guys take big steps. I know they added Kachev. I know they added Deneau. I know they added Arvidsson. Um, I'm skeptical that's enough to elevate them over those teams, but it could at least get them close enough to where if there's some good luck, some bad luck, some injuries. Uh, it could close that gap. Goaltending is the big advantage I think Vancouver and Calgary have on LA. But but if LA gets you know nine ten nine fifteen goaltending, um, I think they have a shot. Yeah, and Cal Peterson hasn't looked too bad in the NHL. No, he hasn't. Either. No, so it'll be an interesting season for LA. Um, maybe more of a of a getting guys in. Maybe maybe more like what Ottawa was uh, two years ago or one year ago, starting to work guys in than than where they are right now. But um, I'm so excited to see those those LA guys start start hitting the NHL, especially Alex Turcotte um, and, and, and a guy who, uh, and Quentin Byfield if he can be healthy, obviously. But Alex Turcotte, I think it's a guy I'm excited to see whenever he makes his debut. Um, should be a lot of fun for people out in LA. Yep, no, I agree. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. Please follow the Athletic Hockey Show on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating and a review. If you're enjoying the show, that really helps us out. You're also going to want to subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Starts with a 30-day free trial and then just 99 cents a month after that. Right now, you can also save 50% on an annual subscription to The Athletic when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. Talk to you soon.